Welcome everybody to episode 113. Buzzy, is it 113? It's 113. Of the Whiskey and Watches podcast. I can't believe we've made it that far. I uh, was not expecting that we would, would break triple digits uh, before our wives told us this had to end. Uh, we are more than two years in and we've uh, still still running strong slightly above where Fratello Radio is. Uh, so Mike, if you're listening, uh, I had to rub that in one more time. Um, and it, we're, we're, we're honored tonight, not only to have Spangler back with us after a bit of a hiatus, but we have from Analog Shift, among uh, among other things, uh, Mr. James Landon. So James, welcome to the show. Hey guys, thank you so much for having me. I'm glad to be here. It's, uh, it's watches and whiskey. These things are in my wheelhouse. It's, uh, let's Let's do this thing. Oh yeah, it's funny, you know. We we had the one guest that we ever had on the show that wasn't wearing a watch. Um, Corey from Method Vermouth was the one who really put us in contact. I mean, not that we didn't know Analog Shift, not that we didn't know uh, Red Bar, but just kind of funny that the the one non watch person that we had on was the one who finally provided us the connection. <laughs> well, yeah, I, I, Corey is cool as hell. He he lives up the street from me. And, uh, and our dogs are really good friends. So <laughs> we were walking around one night and, and we, you know, we just talk all the time, you know, out, out walking the dogs. He's like, what do you do? I'm like, yeah, well, watches, you know, it's always sort of a difficult thing to explain. Um, and he goes, oh, that's so funny. I just did a podcast uh, <laughs> about watches and whiskey and, and I didn't wear a watch. I don't wear a watch. <laughs> And of, and of course, uh, then he's like, you got to talk to these guys. And I'm like, I've seen the podcast, I, right? But it was nice of him to connect us. I listened to his episode and he's a really knowledgeable guy. And uh, I feel like he's going to be a lot of trouble when I start drinking with him. Oh, yeah. Yeah, for for <laughs> sure. Like we, we learned that, like definitely having him on. And that's kind of reminding me, I've got to place a decently sizable order of uh of methods, some to ship out to our buddies in California because I'm terrible at paying up on my Super Bowl bet, and we can't find any local Ohio beer in California for delivery. So we're hmm. probably going to send them a couple bottles of method, and then I'm almost out. Buzzy's almost out. We, you know, we gotta, we gotta, we gotta rectify that situation. So I think we'll be we'll be placing a decently sizable order from uh, from Corey here soon. Um, but we always start uh, with a wrist check and a drink check. So what is on wrist and what's in the glass, James? Uh, okay, we'll start with the wrist. Um, tonight I am wearing a uh, a Longa One in yellow gold. Ooh. Yeah, yeah. Very nice. Uh, I I'm a fan. You know, I, I got to say I'm I'm sort of known as the the vintage watch guy or or perhaps the um, the Doxa guy, which maybe we'll come back to later. Uh, both their titles I'll happily accept, but you know my my love of watches is sort of all consuming, as I'm sure you guys are familiar with and longa is a brand that i mean it was one of the first articles i ever did one of the first watch reviews i ever did i think i was writing for ariel at a blog to watch about a decade ago and uh the good folks over at longa sent me a saxonia annual calendar to review and i i mean i was just hook line and sinker i was in i've gotten to to visit the manufacturer and, and get to know a number of the personalities behind the brand and uh, I actually even became an owner of, of an 1815 a number of years ago. It's a very special watch um, with some cool provenance. But I think the longer one is sort of like that's it's the one, right? It's sort of when, when you think longer, that's that's sort of it. And I really dragged my feet for a long time. Um, but just a few months ago, I picked this guy up. It's a relatively early yellow gold 38 and a half millimeter longer one. And it is, I mean, it's just so damn cool. I'm never going to get sick of these watches. <laughs> yeah I, and then uh 
you you can't go wrong with any variant of them. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, I, I've said before, um, and I hope I'm not like blowing something up here by saying this, but like, I don't think there's another watch brand. And yes, I'm talking all of the watch brands that you could sort of, you know, walk me into a boutique, uh, you know, if they had any product, um, <laughs> put a blind, put a blindfold on, uh, on me, spin me around like I'm about to whack a pinata. And then, you know, whatever I end up pointing at when I'm done spinning is, you know, that's the one I get. The only brand that I know I'd be happy doing that would be Longa. I, I love everything they make. And I, I can't say that about I don't think any other brand. There's lots of watches I love, of course, but their entire collection, top to bottom, is exquisite to me. And that include this is not like I actually I've seen the Odysseus in person and I like it a lot more in person. But I was going to say that to me would be the only one that I would think might be questionable. That's kind of a love it or hate it type of piece. And even that one, I'm kind of a love it or hate it kind of guy, you know. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, it's probably not my first choice in its category, but it, it's very impressive watch. Um, I, I'll give it credit where credit's due. And then in my glass tonight, um, I am working on the, the remnants of a bottle here of, uh, of Highlands Park 18, uh, which is just delightful. Nice. That's not what I'm familiar with. No, this is, uh, it's from Orkney. Um, they, uh, it's uh, part of the Edrington portfolio here in the United States. And they just, they make some good whiskey, man. I, I love Scotch whiskey. That's really, that's really where I'm at. Um, I tend to like Island stuff, Speyside, Isla, uh, smoky, peaty, warm, uh, salty profiles. And, this is definitely one of my favorites. Nice. Yeah. Very cool. Yeah. I was, I was gifted a half bottle recently, so <laughs> I had to do the, <laughs> <laughs> Th- thank you, Tommy. If you're listening, it's going to good use. <laughs> I remember commercials back in the day for the old Heineken holiday five pack. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, we, we, anyway. we have a, um, we were doing a, we're making little cocktail videos in our, in our, in our office. You'll start seeing them on summer Fridays, uh, every Friday on Instagram, we're doing these cool, uh, cocktail, how to make a cocktail thing, uh, on our Instagram. And there were a lot of bottles that were used during the filming and then there were remnants. So uh, that one, that one made it to my office. I, I was very appreciative. Very nice. You know, Very hey, nice. You, you you might not have wanted to, but I, I realize you, as a leader, you you take one for the team. You know, <laughs> you, yeah, it's uh, it's, it's good to be the king. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, m- moving right along, Spangler, we haven't seen you in a bit, so why don't you uh, tell us what's in the glass and what's on the wrist? Yeah, I have been a uh, fairly incognito here for uh, a hot second, but uh, you know, I'd keep the guests on their toes, you know. Uh, so in honor of James being on the podcast tonight, I figured I'd wear something on the wrist that you are, uh, I would say a little bit of a fan of, but I've got my, uh, Doxa sub 200 T graph on, um, with an added right pickup on. that I bought off Amazon. Uh, it's one of those very dumb, but like kind of really cool, like compass straps. Like it serves no purpose yes. at all, but you know what, when you wear it, you kind of feel it's, I don't know. It gives you a little bit more bravado, I guess, on your wrist. 
even though most people probably make fun of. Yeah, it's it's very Navy Seal, you know, in like the Chuck Norris uh, Wheaties box kind of giveaway way. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> hey, what what's uh, what's the depth rating on that compass? Uh, well, seeing it's probably never going to hit the water, I'm going to say zero. But you know, <laughs> don't so, uh, don't have master. a very phlegmy <laughs> sneeze. Yeah. yeah, I am like a little bit hesitant to uh, take any of these watches. I, did, I was just recently at a beach uh, last probably about two weeks ago, um, and I had my sub with me. And I swear to God, I am still getting sand out of the bezel when I turn it. <laughs> so, no, nope. dude, that is something that they will never tell you about. No, nope. I, I we do more we do more repairs on people's you know daily beater swimming watches for sand gumming up the bezel. Than for for anything else, and maybe uh, you know if they don't clean it off right, you get the salt water that seizes and sure. gets a uh, gets all jammed up. But sand, man, it gets everywhere. It's it's a son of a bitch. It, it really is. I'm still it does. <laughs> it does. <laughs> Pretty sure I still have some of my clothes, but you know that's a different story. Um, Do some laundry, dude. <laughs> I'm still in college. I can get away with that excuse. <laughs> uh, okay, but quickly in the glass, uh, a couple other special ones. Uh, I got my Calumet Farms 15. And my uh, Willet Four Year Rye, which is basically the only one you can get on a shelf if you just walk into a store. Um, but two very good, two very good whiskeys. Nice. Yep. All right, Buzzman, what have you got? All right. Well, let, let's start with the glass. I am just uh, winding my way to the very end of uh, the bottle, my uh, Glenlivet Twelve, because I wanted to make sure. I got a little little shelf space open to pick up some Caribbean Reserve because Hot yeah. Scotch Summer's coming, baby. Yeah. You want to be there. <laughs> hot Scotch Summer. <laughs> hashtag. Hashtag. Are you heating that All up, right. Buzz, beforehand? <laughs> no. It's just because it's a, it's a hot summer. And you, you yeah. want a, a hot, not as in temperature, but as in um, uh, ad- admirability. All right. Yeah. It comes in a brightly colored box too, so there's that. That's right. You can't it, miss it. You can't. You can't. It's a it's a wonderful thing. All right. Um, on my wrist. Haven't uh, seen this guy in a while. It's my uh, Tudor Oyster Prince on a uh, navy grayish uh, embossed leather strap. Kind of a, a no no name double uh, deployant. Uh, I picked this this bad boy up on uh, Poor Man's Watch forums uh, not that uh, much earlier than Analog Shift was founded. This was probably oh nine or uh, or or ten. Um, still, still haven't figured out whether I should uh, spend probably more than twice what I actually paid for it to get a, a genuine bracelet for it. Whether <laughs> 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 right. Con- continue my present strategy of just trying to piece together eBay specials and find something that fits. I've not been successful. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. Well, let me, let me know if you give up the, the ghost. I, I know a guy. Okay. <laughs> I would say so. We'll yeah. Do. We'll do. Uh, that's not all. I, I also on my other wrist uh, have my my docs three hundred T. This has been fantastic. Yeah. So the in all of its uh, chonky glory, um, 
hasn't been getting a lot of risk time recently that my the the black bay 58s really really been soaking up the risk time but uh yeah yeah can't, I do. can't go wrong either either there yeah what yeah, it, out of curiosity wh- wh- why did you select the sea rambler when you bought that uh, because our buddy Mike Pandolfo has a Sea Rambler uh, 300, just just straight 300, and um, when I saw that on his wrist, I just I loved how in certain lighting it almost looks like a white dial, and um, you know that the, there's just such depth to it, right, with the the radial brushing that you don't get on the other other ones. I mean. To, to be perfectly honest, right, I always, I don't know, I, I can see getting rid of this and eventually getting the, the 300, especially the 50th anniversary. The font, the font on the dial is just two choice, not two. Um, but if, uh, if I do go that way, th- this has been a very fun, at, at minimum, placeholder for the past couple of years, you know. Some, yeah. oh, some yeah. fun vacations and great great daily wear. I really, really like it. Well, the um, the question I get asked most when it comes to, to Doxa is, is which which one should I buy? Not, not which model, but what color, yeah. right? You know, and so I've taken to answering it this way. The professional, because it's orange and Doxas are supposed to be orange. <laughs> and then I wait a beat, wait a second beat, and I say, However, <laughs> the Shark Hunter, the black one, is by far the most wearable. Yeah. The Sea Rambler is, without question, the best looking. And then, and then you go, okay, Diving Star, historically, the yellow ones were the rarest. So there's that. And then, of course, we, we got a couple great blues, the Caribbean and the Aquamarine. And then they just introduced the, um, the, the White. White Pearl, yes. which I'm – totally in love with and you know it, it, i was really trying to buy only one dachshund for myself this year but that's that's out <laughs> good luck yeah that's <laughs> that's tough uh, you know the the funny thing is i, I always you know i thought uh, professional that's that's like a no-brainer but the more i stared and stared and stared at the dials the handsets made me realize that i would be just really bummed to not have that giant orange minutes hand. And uh, yeah, then when I saw Pandolfo's um, 300 C Rambler, it just blew me away. Yeah. You can't really go wrong with any of them. At one point no. I had, I think 23. Uh, <laughs> Damn. Something like it was, it was really, I mean, it was gratuitous. It was disgusting. Um, uh and I, and I got rid of all but about three of them, and now I'm up to like five or six again. So it's it's just a vicious cycle. Oh yeah, yeah. They, I don't I don't get uh, I don't get how you cannot like them. You know, it's the only thing I dislike is like uh, you know, wish the uh, the the rubber straps were a little more accessible because there's something that's just like unbelievably cool and just rakish to me to, you know, a fitted rubber. But um, that is such a minor, minor uh, thing. It's not even funny. Yeah. <laughs> but I, I actually spent some time talking about the development of those, those fitted end links and each one is a custom molding and they do, you know, they're really, they're perfectly set in there and they're oh, yeah. not exchangeable between the models. 
And um, I, I found that out the hard way as I was trying to, you know, do some <laughs> do some gymnastics. But yeah, no, I totally agree. Well, that was actually why why I didn't uh, get one for this because I was thinking like, okay, if they, if they can fit the three hundred and the three hundred T, I'll probably always have one or the other. But I, I, right, oh, it was a little bit too much commitment. You know, I'm I'm already married. <laughs> I do I need any more? <laughs> All right. Well, I guess that just leaves it to me to bring it home. And like Buzzy in the glass, I have uh, a product that has been uh, touched by our buddy Sandy, um, that whiskey blender dude. So I have, um, because I knew that that we had the connection with Method, I made myself a Rob Roy. So nice. Method Vermouth, Glen Levet Founders Reserve, which is that that fun, like right balance of if you like bourbon and you like scotch, it's kind of right in the middle. Like I absolutely love this scotch. Um, and then orange Angostura bitters, and then a, a cherry from our buddy, Mike, um, the Amarina cherry. I can't remember the name, but the, the cool, um, blue and white jar that is significantly less expensive in Germany than it is here in the United States. <laughs> so, uh, slightly sweeter than Luxardo, really excellent little cocktail cherry. So that's what I've got in the glass. And then that's a hell of a global supply chain there. Yeah. It's got everything. You know, we got Scotland, we got New York, we've got, um, Italy by way of Germany. So, um, which what is, is the also, carbon? What is the carbon footprint on that cocktail? I have no delicious. idea. Uh, yeah, it's <laughs> it's delicious. <laughs> um, in, in fairness, though, the nice thing is is that Mike um, was kind enough to bring them to the United States when he was last in Florida, and then ship them from Florida, so not from Germany. So at least we kind like he brought them with him. He was coming anyway, so we saved a little bit, a little bit there. Only one flight across the Atlantic, yeah. not two. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but uh but yeah no just just everything there and uh it's funny when you say italy by way of germany it's like which is exactly how vermouth happened it was the mm-hmm. uh the, Ita- the french hearing the italians mispronounce the german word for wormwood uh, as we now know from our buddy cory which is one of my favorite things um on wrist speaking of carbon footprint and a brand who is yeah. is known for trying to reduce theirs as much as possible i'm going to talk briefly about my new watch edition because um i recently picked up the gray dialed version of the Oris PPX caliber 400, which is getting a ton of wrist time in the less than a week that I've had it. Um, and I just, I, I, I can't believe that I'm actually like, I, not that I own one. Cause you know, when we told, when we had VJ Geronimo on episode 23, you think about this, he was on almost a hundred episodes ago. Like we're getting close to that. He was on episode 23. Uh, at the time we had the original PPX, the big boy in, for review. And all three of us were like, you know, if you made this just a little bit smaller, you made this just a little bit smaller. Now I asked for the, the bezel complication where it jumps the hour hand. We didn't quite get there, but that's okay. He, they kept up their end of the bargain. They made it 39 millimeters. It it might wear slightly bigger than that. If I'm honest, like it might wear is like a 40. So whoa, that, that whole extra millimeter. Um, but it's got the angular bracelet. It's got the awesome clasp with the lift. It, I absolutely love the gray dial for, for my collection. The, the, the other two dial variations are really good as well. The salmon. Yes, it's salmon. As Cole Pennington has said multiple times, it's salmon, even though it looks a little orange. And then the blue that we had in for review, they're both phenomenal. But, you know, for my collection, I wanted, I wanted the, uh, the, uh, the gray dial and, you know, they kept up their end of the bargain. They made it. I kept up mine. I own it now. So uh, <laughs> like, it's just, I know I didn't really have a hand in, in this, but like, 
we talked about it like, man, if you made this like, and they went even better. Like we were talking like maybe 41, 42, they went all the way to 39 and it's like, it's perfect. Like I have, it's, I think it's my favorite watch that that's been released so far this year. I love it. They did such a good job with that. Um, the team at Oris, they do listen to feedback. They do really care. They're serious watch nerds. I mean, VJ Geronimo, absolute tops and the best name uh, yes. in the business. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. I, I'm, I'm, I'm proud to call him a friend and, and Rolf and, and their whole team in, in Switzerland and Holstein and, and also here in the U.S. They, they really do it right. And that watch is proof, proof positive. Yeah, uh, it just it, it's great. Like it's going to get an absolute ton of wrist time. It, it's my first, first titanium watch. Well, second, other than my Citizen Quartz that I bought in eighth grade because it looked a lot like my grandfather's Seiko Kinetic that he wears to this day. Um, so when when I get to see him next and he picks it up, he will not complain that this one's too heavy. Because every time I bring a new watch up and we talk, and he's an avid listener of the show, so he will hear this conversation. Every time I bring up a watch, he's like, because I don't know how you wear these. They're so heavy. And my, my grandpa's got bigger hands and wrists than I do. I might be a little <laughs> bit taller than him, but like he's you know, there's, he's just like, I don't know. Like he's like, I, I want it to be light. And you know, it's, it's, he's got the kinetic. So it's quartz because quartz is the latest technology. He came up all the way through from like, just, it's, it's fun to have a conversation with him about it, but yes, I will now have a, a, a second titanium watch that I can hand over. And be, oh, this, this is like something I'd wear because it's nice and light. <laughs> <laughs> so T- titanium, titanium is such a cool metal to work with. Yeah. I, I actually bought my first titanium watch. I mean, I've handled many over the years, but uh, I'd never owned one and they are really rewarding watches to wear. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, it's just this. Um, I'm absolutely stoked with this one. Um, and then it's funny cause I, I added, I got in, in the same box because I ordered a second thing. Um, they sent me the uh, um, bronze bracelet for my Fratello Oris that I have, which complete opposite effect. Like that bracelet makes that watch significantly heavier than it is on the strap but I'm a bracelet guy and now I have the leather strap, the NATO strap. I've, I've swapped out the buckle and used a tropic on it on occasion, which I think is fun for a, a you know, anthracite rubber. And then now the bracelet and that, that thing just sings on the bracelet. We'll, we'll, we'll talk a little bit more about that. I'm sure on a, on a future episode, but man, like the day that that box came, I was like, Oh, today's the day it's the day. <laughs> so, um, so much fun. But, uh, anyway, so yeah. Um, that's what everybody's got in the glass. That's what everybody's on wrist. Um, I think before we jump into it with James, we've got to do a little bit of an ad read because we are still sponsored. (laughs) I can't believe it either. Um, uh, Spangler, have you, uh, recharged your lawnmower (laughs) Uh, 2.0? Of course I have. And it's, it's right here actually. Um, because I keep it with me everywhere I go because you never know when you need to use the lawnmower 2.0. It's just got this great little light. If y'all can hear that, that's sounds great, doesn't it? Sounds it, it, does. it really top does. notch. <laughs> you know, it's summertime. You want to have some fun with your summertime friends? Lawnmower 2.0. <laughs> if you gotta get a good wrist shot in, gotta you know tame that jungle on your wrist. Lawnmower 2.0. <laughs> if you're like James with the mustache, you gotta keep that nice and tight. It's the lawnmower 2.0. It's great for everything. <laughs> Yeah, no, I mean, yeah, between the between the lawnmower 2.0 and the weed whacker, um, <laughs> you know, they, they, it's got everything everything around between the thicker hair on your upper lip and the hair that works its way 
all the way up, up, all the way up in there. That's that's the one that my that's the one that my wife like has me use all the time. Is like big on the nose. She's like, hey, you know, as you get older, like nose hair, ear hair, it just it keeps yes. for guys. It just keeps coming out everywhere. The and weed whacker, nice and nice and light in the hand, nice and light in the hand. Not one of those weird goofy attachments to another type of a razor goes on nicely. Um, yeah, it really really helps keep it nice and keeps those nose hairs nice and tight. <laughs> I, I get I get good use for it with the ear hair. Ear hair is such an old dude thing. And okay, I, I can. Here's the thing: like I, I can get rid of long nose hairs with with a pair of very small scissors and a mirror and uh, just patience, you know, steely resolve, right? But uh, the ear hairs that requires someone else to have tiny, sharp, sharp scissors yes. next to the most delicate membrane in in your body the the Mm-mm. whole tympanic no that that's no good that, that ask my that's brother terrible. about that with my mom <laughs> yeah that's that sounds like uh that sounds like my grandpa will part. remember this <laughs> it sounds like they didn't have the lawnmower 2.0 or the they did not or the weed or whacker, the weed whacker. <laughs> the, the lawnmower is actually 4.0 uh which which means that it's uh two better but uh yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's well. There we go. It's great stuff. Uh, Fantastic. Well, I, everything should have LED lights. It should. You need to be able to see everything, regardless okay. of where it is. So, so now that you're super interested, like, hey, I, I need, I need better grooming equipment. What, what are we going to do? You could tell them that we sent you, but how would they know that we sent you? I think, I think Prom- we got a promo code. We do. There is promo. Code. And what is that, Buzzy? Buzz cut. For 20% off and free shipping. So go to manscaped.com and uh, yes. enter enter promo code BUZZCUT. 20% off, free shipping. And let's not forget, it's sweaty season. It is. Crop toner, crop revitalizer. Keep everything funk-free down there. Let's, let's, just, let's just all heat, humidity, especially in Louisiana, as we all know, um, from Spangler talking to us before. We've actually had a nice cool down here in the Midwest, but the, the deep south... Not as much ever. It's only so, going uh, up. Heat and humidity. Yeah. N- yeah. <laughs> so anyway, promo code buzzcut, 20% off and free shipping. Bing. Anyway, back to your regularly scheduled programming. <laughs> That's probably the first of that type of ad. I think you've been on a podcast where they've, they've talked about something like that. Is that right, James? <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah. I, I liked it guys. Yeah. We have fun. You guys are, you're absolute pros. You're pros. You, <laughs> I like that we leaned in with the promo code too. Like the oh, fact yeah. that we went all the way there, like no one's going to forget that. <laughs> yeah. 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 Uh, well done. Bravo. Yeah. I appreciate that. So um, obviously I think one of the first things we want to talk about, um, you know, we, we mentioned that earlier, you know, docs ahead. One of, one of the, one of the, it's one of the brands that you know and love. And I, you know, we, we've talked about, you know, the fact that watches the Switzerland carries them now that, you know, you, you're, you're such a known uh, preacher of the doxa gospel, as it were, um, they released a new watch recently in conjunction with you all. So uh, the, the new uh, the new uh, ceramic cased, I believe it's the doxa army. Is that correct? That's correct. Yeah, the doxa army watches the Switzerland edition. So I have a sneaking suspicion. Did you uh, you have you had to have had something to do with that? <laughs> Uh, yes. Yes, I did. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, I, mean, I, 
Yeah, I mean, just as a little background, I mean, Doxa was really, um, it was in many ways the point, my point of entry into watch collecting. Um, I really, you know, like most of us, I had an affinity for cool gadgets and gear and, and uh, gizmos and so on uh, since being young. And, you know, I remember fondly cheating in math class with my Casio, you know, calculator watch and various MacGyver-esque kind of uh setups along the, the way i remember i got a luminox navy seals diving watch um when i got my associate's degree in college i, I found one in the ll bean catalog and you know surreptitiously put it in front of my dad and said that'd be nice you know for this <laughs> mom momentous occasion I'm, I'm actually graduating from something um <laughs> Uh, and then my grandfather passed away a few years later, and I, I began inheriting uh, some of his stuff and, and, and sort of exploring his life through his stuff. Um, but very rapidly, I sort of wanted uh, to find a watch that defined my personal style and taste. And I, I went back in time in, in my brain to the first time I remember seeing mention of, of Doxa, which was in the Clive Cussler novel um, that I read sometime, probably in elementary school, to be honest with you. It was like fourth or fifth grade. And I knew I wanted one. And then, you know, fast forward, whatever it was, 15 years. And I knew I had to have a Doxa diving watch. I, the only problem was I didn't know what it looked like or, or anything. Because uh, it was still the, the, the wee early days of the internet. And uh, there wasn't a whole lot out there. But there was a ravenous fan base. Um, and I sort of glommed onto that and then spent quite a while trying to find my, my first Doxa, which turned into, like I said earlier, like, almost two dozen of these things that I personally held on to for some time. Uh, so one of the great, you know, one of the great privileges in my career um, was shortly after uh, Analog Shift was acquired by Watches of Switzerland, was sort of being able, able to have a voice with uh, with our U.S. team and and looking at some new brands to carry outside of the, uh, the core brands that we already did. And one of the things I love about Watches of Switzerland is that they aren't, you know, purely... Uh, focused on the, the sort of the name brands, there's a lot of experimentation and exploration of uh, unique partnerships and doing things a little bit differently. Uh, something you wouldn't necessarily expect from a you know a, a multinational um, you know legacy retailer like Watches of Switzerland. But um, I was able to start conversations with Doxa very early, um, and at, at around the same time we started talking about. Uh, getting them into the United States again with retail presence for the first time since the 1970s, mind you, uh, we began we began working on on this special edition, um, and then we got to launch it last month, which was which was just a tremendous success. It was a really wonderful thing to sort of have this whole thing come full circle for me, and uh, I think the response has been overwhelmingly positive, um, and uh, you know sold out super quick. And uh, I love it. I'm, I'm thrilled to, I'm thrilled to have been a part of it. And of course, we're really paying homage to a model that they created. I did not design this watch, but uh, I got to have a say in how we uh, brought it back to life and improved on it in some ways and modified it in others. And um, I think I think it was like it was a mythical thing, the original army and. I've told this story before, so I, I won't I won't drag through this. But the first time I saw one of these original models was in a shop window in Zurich, and I, I damn near threw a brick through the window because <laughs> uh, to get this thing because it was after hours and the place was closed. And I didn't know if I was going to be able to get back. 
Um, that's how cool they are, right? And now there's been homages and and you know Seiko mods and all of these cool things, sort of paying tribute to this really cool exotic dial for some time. Um, but Doxa had not, you know, come back with uh, with the thing, and it, just being able to be part of that um, was just about the nerdiest and coolest thing I've I've done in watches to date. And I've done some pretty nerdy things. <laughs> Definitely. And I think the interesting thing, like you said, you talked about, you know, maybe improving it a little bit. I think the use of ceramic for this, obviously the, the original one was, was coated, um, was a coated steel. The use of ceramic, I think the nice thing, there's two things. One, obviously military watch ceramic, not the, I mean, it's, it's a great material, but not always the, 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 the most robust, but at the same point, obviously I think what you're going for is that, that there's, there's no coating. It's not going to chip away. Like this is going to be, like the original was designed to, st- and it's going to be like that almost permanently, which I think, you know, in some ways, like you said, it's an improvement. Yeah. I mean, the, I, I don't think I would have thought of it if it weren't for uh, Doxa's launch of the, the forged carbon uh, mm-hmm. in, in last in 2021, which is we timed our launch of, of watches Switzerland launching Doxa as, as a brand in our portfolio with the release of, of that model. Um, and I mean, it was just a, a runaway success. It's a really cool watch. If you haven't had the chance to handle one, the forged carbon is, is just super dope. Oh, it's on and my list. <laughs> it's, it's sweet. I'll send you one if you want to borrow it. Um, I have three sitting on my desk right now. So <laughs> including that new white pearl, which, you know, I might not send oh, back. Yeah. Um, that, that, yeah, that anyway. was fantastic. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's super cool. So the, um, you know, the, the material story that came with that forged carbon was really exceptional. And as we were, you know, beginning to put form to the to the Army project, uh, it, it, it felt in a weird way like a step backwards to go from forged carbon um, back to steel. Now, to be clear, the originals were steel, and I, I think that they should exist in steel. But for the launch, we wanted to do something really special. And forged carbon wasn't right for this model, but it, you, I think you hit it nail on the head ceramic it won't change color the the coating won't peel it is going to look that beautiful matte black gunmetal forever and i think we i think we did that part you know bang on definitely definitely yeah i mean the the watch looks great um i know i'm speaking from probably a bunch of other enthusiasts perspective as well hoping that you know maybe down the line there's going to be a non-limited version of this watch (laughs) maybe hopefully released we'll see i don't know i'm hopeful for it i'm also hopeful for a lot of things oh oh look a a dinosaur just walked outside my window let's change the subject (laughs) (laughs) amazing yes Yeah, it's it's interesting too. Like, if I'm remembering, is that is that one of the first? Is that the first ceramic watch Doxa has done? Yes, it is. Yeah. Okay. And I I love that they're they're doing this. Um, I think that they nailed, you know, they nailed the homage game a long time ago, and and they they found a very passionate uh, followership in in some of us, you know, sort of tool watch dive watch nuts. 
Um, and of which, you know, look, I'm, I'm guilty as charged. So if I, if I found a soapbox anywhere in the past 15 years to like, just go on and on and on about DOXA and their role in the development of the contemporary diving watch, I took it, you know, and, and to the point where one of my friends said to me, it's after I got him into it, he's like, dude, you can't Google vintage DOXA without your name coming up. <laughs> and I felt like that was a real achievement. In fact, I even have a screenshot. Somebody in, uh, in Mexico tried to sell parts to a DOXA um, using my photograph oh. on the listing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't know what that was about, but it was amazing. I, it was like, I think it was like a case or something. <laughs> yeah, and there was a picture of me with the watch. That he put in the, like the front picture on the on the eBay listing is amazing. Um, Honest uh, James so, uh, Doxa parts, Acapulco, Mexico, right? I mean, it sounds like a storefront. Don't knock it. It could happen. It could happen. Um, so I mean, I, I just think that there's uh, a, a really cool future for this brand. They're they're paying. They're continuing to pay tribute to the designs. Um, and, and the community that loves these watches by continuing to sort of, you know, keep playing the classics, but also pushing the innovation, the, the forged carbon, nobody saw that coming, you know, no. and the, the first one, the Aqualung the, that made it to the GPHG guys like that, that watch was in front of judges is like basically the award for coolest fucking watch of the year. I don't, I don't know what the actual award was, <laughs> but that was the category pretty sure. And <laughs> Uh, and then they follow it up word, with the uh, actual yeah. award, but yes, it's some French word. <laughs> right. Right. And, <laughs> and, and I think that that, um, that's going to continue. I think you're going to see innovation, um, in materials and designs and, and, and so on, but you're also going to see the classics, um, will always be there because that's what Doxa is. And, uh, I will continue to spread the gospel. I, as a, as a tremendous story, it's a tremendous brand. And I think they make a really amazing product um, at a very compelling price point. And they're colorful and they're fun. Yes. You know, and it's, I love it. Watch it it's also wild too, like when you think about it, okay, so you, you've you've got the uh, ceramic that uh, that just came out, the forged carbon before that. And I, I don't know if people, people probably haven't actually forgotten. You, you did gold. All right, well, it was that uh, in 2000, yes. like, like, honking, you know, 80 grand um, <laughs> gold monster, right? So, like, um, what is there left to do when it comes to exotic materials? Not a, not a whole lot, <laughs> right? Like, I mean, you could do titanium, although I think they might have done one or two of those in the past. I feel like titanium might have been well, the, 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 uh, the Pacific team, LA, Yeah. Right? Yes, they've done titanium, but yeah. still. Yeah, not as a standard production yep. model, but yeah, yeah. I mean, the um, I, I think there's still places to go, and you know, I think the the other cool thing is that you know, Doxa's uh, Doxa belongs in the water, so this is this is not a company that is going to start pushing into um, you know, making pilots' watches and dress watches and and all that sort of thing. I mean, it, admittedly, historically. They did. Um, they did cockpit instruments and and dash timers and some really cool mid-century stuff. Um, and it, you know, I actually would. In part of me would like to see that uh, exist again. Uh, however, uh, the Doxa subline is is what they it's what they do best, and they're going to stick there. But I, I think there's going to be some 
really innovative things uh, coming around the corner. So stay tuned. Nice. That, that's that's as good a foreshadowing as I've uh, I've heard in a while. Um, so <laughs> oh, we, an- another dinosaur. Another dinosaur. We can, we can leave that there. Holy cow! Is it? Um, is it? Oh, what was the? There was a movie when I was a kid. It was a cartoon. It was a, a turn back the clock or whatever it was, where the dinosaurs like. A- anyway, weird random offshoot cartoon. Um, Land yes. before time. Uh, move. No, they're not that well, one. I, okay, we're I'm we're back. Myself. Yes. That one, <laughs> he knew. He knew. He knew. <laughs> I, I I do know this. First off, I know my dinosaur movies. Um, <laughs> s- secondly, it was it was EP'd by Steven Spielberg, and it came out a year after Jurassic Park. And I was I was convinced that they released this children's cartoon because all the kids wanted to see Jurassic Park. I mean, 1993. That movie was it was it was terrifying. That film, <laughs> and all the kids wanted to watch it because of you know dinosaurs. Dinosaurs. Yep. Um, and the parents, I think, were making very tough decisions to not let their children watch this movie. So then the cartoon one comes out, and they're like, here, you can watch this. That's so, my theory. Well, full confession. Um, I was seven years old, six or seven years old when Jurassic Park came out, and we saw it in the theaters five times. I saw it in the theaters five times. My brother's two years younger than me, so he was my oldest's age at about four and a half, and he was with me for every single one, and we had no problems with it. <laughs> Right. <laughs> so the dinosaurs won, which is as it should be. It's what you would expect. That's right. <laughs> yeah. So, By the way, the, the dinosaurs. One, one last thing. They, I just they just started this thing on Apple uh, TV tonight. It's um, it's a series called I think it's called Prehistoric Planet or, yes. or something. It's 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 done by uh, by Richard Attenborough. So it's it's basically like a Planet Earth kind of thing. Uh, but it's all top of the line CG, and it's basically looking at the planet's ecosystem at the time of the dinosaurs. It was EP by John Favreau. It's scored by Hans Zimmer. It's it's it's. I just watched the first episode before uh, recording this with you, and it's it's amazing. Yeah, I uh, I'm gonna have to. I think I think that's gonna be one that I feel like there's there's certain crossovers here. There's there's watches, cars. My guess is there's a fair number of dino nuts that listen to the show. Um, so that'll be another thing that we've got to. <laughs> I mean, who didn't want to be a dinosaur when they grew up? I'm just, I'm just saying. Yeah. Well, then after Jurassic Park, who didn't want to be a paleontologist? Kids right? wanted to be a right. paleontologist. This world was going to be awash with paleontology. <laughs> we would have discovered yeah, the right. secrets of the ancient world. We would have had real Jurassic Parks if that momentum had carried. If only the lost world would have been better. <laughs> we could have just kept going. Uh, anyway, um, so it's funny because we, we, we the, the tie in there to uh, to automotive from watches. Um, you know, I, I titled the session for this here "Never Lift," which I know is one of the one of the Friday posts that that you you've done for quite some time. Um, yeah. it, it, working our way back to analog shift and 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 coming into the into the vintage watches, which have had a hell of a run for the last, you know, 10 to 15 years. Um, one of the things, I mean, we'll, we'll touch a little bit more on, on, on what that, what that ride has been like for you. But one of the things I, I kind of want to ask is, you know, is there anything that you've, you've ever, you know, kind of sourced that you're like, man, I should have just kept that one. <laughs> oh, like all of them, man. I, like, <laughs> I, I don't. It's not uh, a very good business model, by the time. way. <laughs> No, I first off, the first thing you have to understand about analog shift is I started analog shift mostly to justify buying all the watches that I wanted to buy. 
Um, because if they became, if they were categorized as inventory, uh, th that's fine. You know, and th there's one in particular, um, it's a dumb watch. I love it to this day. Um, uh, and I, I couldn't justify spending the $6,500 or whatever it was at the time. Um, unless it was inventory and that was the original, um, Seamaster Plo Prof, you know, 600, the big asymmetrical job with the, mm -hmm. with the locking uh, bezel. And it's such a stupid stupid unwearable <laughs> hunk of metal and i just i love it so much and I, I i had to have it and so you know i bought one and i think i i think i it took me like six months to sell this watch and make a hundred bucks or lose a hundred bucks or whatever but i got to experience that watch and at, at sort of a base level that was a win for me because i got to i got to experience what that watch was about and sure enough I did not want to keep that watch, but uh, anecdotally, I can tell you that the only watches I regret are, are, they're not the ones that I've sold. It's, it's the ones that I didn't buy oh. um, for one reason or another, either because uh, the, the money didn't make sense at the time for one reason or another, or, or um, you know, the, it got away from me or I was just stupid and pigheaded, but that's the stuff that keeps me up is the, oh God, I had, I had a chance to get one of these ultra rare unobtainium kind of things and it's mostly the vintage stuff it's sure that you see prices going up on on more contemporary watches and it, that's just going to be what it is but when you find something that's truly rare that hasn't been made in 50 years maybe something with provenance maybe something in an amazing condition or with kid or a story that's unparalleled you know and you're just like i i, I blew it i just bought the watch uh that's the stuff that keeps me up yeah, well, I mean, I I was I was uh, I've bought a lot of used watches. It's kind of my primary way, and and I was in it before vintage was vintage when it was just used watches. And yeah, you you could definitely I kick myself daily thinking about the inexpensive GMT masters, you know, that were just used watches, mm -hmm. right? That are you know, worth sure. three times easily uh, now sure. what, what I would have picked them up for back then. Um, sure. But, so the, the moral of the story is just buy everything and, and, and keep it, yes. you know, that that'll go real well. That's, oh, that's yeah. what we're, we're saying. Yeah. Yes. Pretty much. Yes. For sure. The more, you know, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yes, for sure. So, James, I don't know yeah. about you, but when it comes to like me collecting watches, I do it based off of mainly two things. One is that how that watch is going to fit into like what I like to do, and then also too like a little subcategory of that. It's like I, you know, I have an undergrad in history, so like I also like a cool historical context to when it comes to like the stuff that I buy. You know, it just makes me feel like I'm connected in some type of way to that watch even though I'm not obviously, but like, it makes me feel a little bit better about buying the watch, you know, let's be honest. So like sure. <laughs> when it comes to you, like what do you find? Like when you're out there looking for stuff, like obviously analog shift has the stuff that sells quick, like Rolex AP, you know, all the good stuff. What is it that you look for aside from that and watches? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He just flashed yeah, two uh, subs on screen, I think, or something. Oh, yeah. I couldn't tell. Real no, I got, what was that I a got, Jubilee? Someone's a Jubilee. Yeah. Yeah. 
No, it was, yeah, it's a, that's a sub on a Jubilee because I have oh. to be uh, a little different. Nice. Oh, I am. Uh, and then, you know, AP. <laughs> AP, yeah. Yep. Yeah, it's never never too far out of reach. Um, yeah, I. that's exactly right, man. Um, for me, I sort of identified the reasons that people would buy a watch to be one of several different categories. It, it could be function, like you said. It could be style. It could be, you know, it's definitely part of the equation now. It could be investment. It could be some mechanical geekery, or it could be uh, a story that often ties into this sort of romantic X factor. And that's what my catch was, you know, because I came to watches, um, you know, like I said, in part because of my grandfather's passing and, and, a, and a sort of desire to understand his life and his generation through his objects. And because he wasn't around to tell me the story of those things anymore. I had to look into the object to try and understand the world and what was going on and why my grandfather, who I admired so much and had traveled the world and done these amazing things, why he might have had these things and went down the rabbit hole and got hooked on the product for all the, all the other reasons as, as well. Um, but for me, yeah, I think there's this romance. I mean, to go back to GMT Masters, you know, I've said this before as well, um, but it's so true. I still get goosebumps when I think about the fact that the, the original GMT Master was, you know, produced at the behest of Pan Am for his pilots because for the first time in human history, it's happening right now. The, it's not even dulled by the alcohol. The goosebumps are coming out. <laughs> uh, for the first time in human history, you could make a flight across several time zones, you know, taking off in New York and landing in Paris or London or, or wherever. And you needed a watch that would tell you the time at departure and destination. And that's our, that's, that's my grandparents' generation. They lived this, they were the original jet set, uh, or the, or the universal Genève pole router, you know, flying across the, uh, the Arctic, um, with an anti-magnetic watch because it was a, a more efficient route that they just sort of discovered. Oh, yeah, let's fly across the top of the globe, <laughs> uh, instead of around the outside. It's kind of amazing, you know, and these were analog tools, uh, in a pre-digital world, but they were absolutely necessary. And we all know the stories of of Apollo 13 and, and, uh, you know, the fact that the Speedmaster went to the moon, which is a fact, you know, they'll never let us forget. Um, <laughs> no, but th these were important instruments. So there was a function component, but they then became stylish and then they became um, sort of sought after for their mechanical elements in, in an increasingly digital world, an increasingly disposable commoditized world. Um, and then their story became this romance and then they became investments in many cases. Uh, so it's it's usually a blend of several of these things, but for me, it's the story that's always been the hook. And I consider myself a part-time storyteller and, and a part-time treasure hunter, and I, I love uh, finding the convergence of those two components. And that's, for me, that's what watches are all about. That's what any collectible is all about, whether it's cars or graphic art or um, vinyl or any one of the other Thing. Jurassic Park action figures. Um, <laughs> yeah, I've, ne I've never mentioned that on a podcast, but it seems that well, we're in space, I mean, man. We are, but you're gonna you're gonna trigger me a little bit because um, over the course of the last couple of years, four or five years, my brother and I both only have boys. So I have three little boys. My brother has two little boys, and he's getting a third little boy later this year. Um, wow. Not not too far out. But in, in the, in the whole, my mom getting rid of all of our stuff and saying, Hey, come take this now that we have space for it. 
he ended up with the vast majority of our ac- Jurassic Park action figures. We're talking the original Triceratops that had the dino damage that comes out that rears uh, head. Dino damage. Dino damage. We cannot find my T-Rex, and he swears that he has his T-Rex, and I don't know that there are any markings difference on the T-Rexes that are out there. So it, my grandpa was always the, the fair arbiter of all the basketball games as a kid in the driveway, uh, all of those types of things. So we'll... We'll, we'll reserve his judgment after he listens to this episode here in the next couple of days on on whether or not some of that stuff needs to come from Chicago to Cincinnati. <laughs> <laughs> God. Yeah, my T-Rex was actually from the, the aforementioned um, Lost World. It was the Thrasher T-Rex. Oh, yeah. If you, if you it shook the tail, the, the head would sort of thrash. You'd, you'd, you know, clamp an action figure in his jaws and it would, you know, sort of thrash him about. It was amazing. Uh, the thing that- Toys suck today. Yeah, except yeah. for Lego. Lego. Oh, don't even get me started. Uh, we could we could go. That's a whole another rabbit hole we could go down. But what I would say is next you know, week on Lego <laughs> whiskey and watches. Yes, yes, that's right. Exactly. So the uh, the T Rex that we had it was from the original movie. But the annoying thing was is they they didn't build the box big enough for it. So in order to yes, get the these tail things, was folded. Off. Yes, the tail was folded on all of them. And you couldn't <laughs> unfold it, and it was the most annoying thing in the world. It's like the tail is folded. Come on. <laughs> He knows. <laughs> we we have just lost our entire audience, but I am so glad <laughs> to finally have someone to talk to about this. Um, yeah, which is why the junior T Rex was the better buy, even yes. though it was smaller scale. Mm-hmm. Uh, you didn't have to uh-huh. bend the tail over, and it didn't like you could never uh-huh. do that. The plastic in there it would always just yeah, it was just a yeah, no, it didn't work. Um, anyway. <laughs> wow. <laughs> I was not expecting all of the dinosaur references, but I am I am extremely here for this. <laughs> Dino crew. Well, yeah, I, I was only slightly upset that in this prehistoric planet thing that uh, you know there was no discussion of the of the Attenborough brothers having a dinosaur connection. Right. I mean, yeah. <sighs> anyway, that was. Um, I just want him to say it. welcome to Jurassic Park just once. <laughs> Just, just say it. Just, just say it. <laughs> just one time. Maybe. So yeah. if I'm remembering the Jurassic era is a little bit further, maybe like by episode five, he's going to get there. Maybe. Look, man, I, I, I don't know. I, I don't, I don't know anything about time or what came first or <laughs> <laughs> the watch guy just admitted he didn't know anything about time. So <laughs> 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 you heard it here first. <laughs> yeah, that's right well i mean let's be honest here how many times how many times you look down at your wrist and you just want to look at the watch thinking you want to get the time as well but you just completely bypass the time and you're like oh shit i just have be, no idea what the time is to be honest with you most of the time <laughs> to to the point where when i was starting the company and i was single and and dating i would have to actually and i did this like for real i would actually preface the date by saying listen I want you to know that I have like, I just look at my watch all the time because I really like my watch. Uh, I'm not, I'm not bored uh, necessarily. You know, I'm not uh, trying to get an out here or I'm, I'm just telling you that like, I have this nervous tick. I just like look at my watch all the time. And um, I got, I got a lot of funny looks, but a, a few of them, they'd be like, all right, that's cool. I get it. <laughs> I, the funny thing for me with, with looking at a watch uselessly is I always end up, looking at my watch for the date when I'm wearing like my speedy, like clearly a no date watch, but weirdly it always helps me remember the date almost more so than if the date was on the watch. Cause I look, it was like, Oh man, I'm wearing my speedy. I don't have a date, which makes me think, Oh, today's the 23rd. 
Got it. <laughs> <laughs> I can figure it out. I knew the, the date all along. It's part. It's part of the process. Right. You got to look at the watch to remember what day it is, regardless of whether or not that watch has a date on it. To be fair, I, I look at my watch to check the date more often than the time. <laughs> fair. I, I'm. I'm right there. I, with I, I don't. E- I, I don't even write checks anymore. Like you know, who writes checks? But <laughs> I, I feel like I really need to know the date. Oh, yeah. yeah. So speaking of dates, let's talk about date window location. <laughs> <laughs> because that that's one of those things that we like everyone talks about and I, you you kind of I don't want to say like you know you and and our buddy Langa on a NATO um you're wearing a Langa you talked about a Ploprof he has both of those in his collection um which he wore I think both of them uh, when we had him on which was a ton of fun people get all worked up about the date location and I guess you know what's your like Obviously, the Doxa, if I'm remembering, has it at three. The watch I'm wearing has it at six. The watch I wore earlier today has it at four thirty. Do you have a preference? I'm just this is just this is just off the cuff, kind of curious. Like, is there is there or is there a preferred date complication, like the big date on a Langa or a pointer date on an Oris? Like, what's what's your favorite? <laughs> oh, um, yeah, I, I I think it just comes down to the individual application and the overall design of the watch. You know, I, I will say pointer dates are not terribly intuitive for me. They're super cool watches, and I love the complication, but I probably have to look at it for a little too long to see which number it's pointing at. Um, the Valju seven seven three four that's in your T graph, mm-hmm. uh, you know, has the date at at six o'clock. I've owned so many watches, including several T graphs, with that function obviously plenty of three o'clock and, and four thirty dates the um what is it like one one o'clock two o'clock date <laughs> on the on the longer um you know it shouldn't work but it does and it's because it's the you know the, the they follow the rule of thirds in the design of this watch and even though it's asymmetric and and it's it's perfect you know and i think that there is no correct place. I will say this. Um, my dad had a 1675 GMT master growing up and the Cyclops date magnifier to me became one of the iconic design features of a wa- of, of a, of a Rolex. And when I, I mean, I remember holding a 5512 in my hand at, uh, at a retailer, you know, as a, as a secondary shop um, with intent to buy and actually having pause because it didn't have a cyclops and it didn't have a date, you know? And I was like, I think I need that because I think that's part of the Rolex DNA that I, I want to emulate. Right. It was almost secondary to actually not having the date. It was not having the cyclops. Right. <laughs> um, you know, the old adage is if, if you have a dive watch and you need to know what day it is, you're, you know, you're fucked. Um, if you, if you're, if you're diving, um, but you know, the reality is they're, they're super help. I am a date watch guy. I really am. Um, where is it on the, the, you know, I've got El Primeros with weird dates and I've got some 12 o'clock dates and I've got some six o'clock dates and I don't know. Is it a good design? That's all that really matters to me. Is there somebody here? with a very strong preference between three and four thirty, I need to know. 
Not on this podcast. I can no. I can point you to a group chat where uh, <laughs> that, that might come up quite a bit. Um, is is it on the uh, is it on the Omega forums, aka the the angriest place on no, the internet? No, <laughs> <laughs> no, <it's not. laughs> no. I'm just talking about our, our local Red Bar Cincy group chat. <laughs> like there are very strong oh, opinions that in there. Good. About sorry, names. sorry. <laughs> <laughs> You're so right. That's so true. That place you just go there to be sad. I swear to God. <laughs> these guys have lost the plot a long time ago i feel really bad i'm like guys this is we are not saving lives here. like take it it's take, supposed to be fun <laughs> there's no fun on the omega forms let's yeah. just be honest here <laughs> oh, is that just God. because of the people on rolex forums rag on them all the time is that why they're so sad <laughs> oh i don't know i i think you know i think the people on the rolex forums are generally unaware and the, the 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 people on the Omega forums are too aware, but yes. um, uh, but unaware that they that it doesn't matter. Yeah, you know they they, they, they take it they take it very seriously. It's They're unaware of how this aware is coming. They are. This is <laughs> something like that. Yeah, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna work on that, and I'll come back in part two uh, with a better explanation. Yeah, it's, but yeah, I. Th- complicated and this is coming from a vintage guy who is acutely aware of how important it is to know what your watch is and and what's correct and authentic and you know and 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 make sure that it's portrayed that way but there's a line where it's just it's a diminishing returns it's like these anyway i don't even (laughs) want to get into it if you're on omega forums just go outside look out look at the stars (laughs) Much grass. Yeah. Stand, stand in a, in a patch of grass. Listen to the birds singing, and remember <laughs> that these are just watches. Maybe don't go out at night and look at the moon because that might trigger something. But anyway, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh man. Um, so I think one of the other things that that we want to talk about, and, and you mentioned this earlier, is, is is the acquisition by by Watches of Switzerland. But uh, you, you know. You, you guys recently opened a store here locally in Cincinnati, which is fantastic. But also the nice thing is, like you said, your products are now like people can go see them here locally, which is, is kind of, I think a unique yeah. thing for, for somebody, for something like analog ship to say, normally like a vintage watch shop or a vintage watch retailer, it's either an online presence or, you know, maybe one or two physical stores. I mean, you guys are, are are expanding quite a bit, which I think is is kind of fantastic. Do you want to talk a little bit about like why that's important? I mean, I, I think we can all know why that's important, but I think that's something I, I want to make sure we touch on here before before uh, too long. Yeah, thank you. Um, yeah, I think that's really the thing that that I'm most excited about. Um, the acquisition by Watches Switzerland has been has been tremendous. It's been really wonderful for us. It's enabled us to, you know, uh, like I said earlier. They let the inmates continue to run the asylum, um, <laughs> but they've given us uh, the resources and the tools and the backing to do it bigger and better than we ever could have, um, you know, on our own. So our DNA and, and how we like to present, which is, you know, uh, we take it very seriously, but not that seriously. It's a little, there's a little bit of a reverency here. We like to have fun and I like to call it luxury with a lowercase l. Um, we drink beer and wear blue jeans. We're not white gloves and champagne flutes. And I think that we share um, best practices with Watches Switzerland, and we're learning lots from them. And it's becoming this good blend of of um, 
of best business and, and how to, to grow uh, sustainably into um, a marketplace full of increasingly intelligent and passionate clientele. Um, but for us, you know, we started growing into having brick and mortar partnerships before Watches of Switzerland. That's how we first met. Um, when we when we came in house, we were able to grow just in the last two years from having our one store uh, in Soho uh, at the, the flagship for Watches of Switzerland and our boutique in, in Midtown Manhattan to now having 10 points of sale across the United States in brick and mortar. Uh, and three websites carrying our product, uh, analogshift.com, watchesofswitzerland.com, and mayors.com, which is a group of, of retailers we own in, in the South, in Florida, and, and Georgia. Um, and let me just say more to come. And so uh, there's more coming out um, from a resource standpoint, display point of sale. Um, we've got some really cool collaboration stuff coming up around the corner. We've got some really cool content coming up um, and some cool product stuff as well. So I think for me, being able to look at what the marketplace was like, you know, 20 years ago, 10 years ago when I launched and in that range, seeing the opportunity to try and defragment a highly fragmented marketplace, we're now in a position where analog shift can be become a name brand locally in retail presence um, and online. And of course, we, we still have our, our famous uh, whiskey laden <laughs> boutique, uh, in, in Manhattan, uh, which of course we, we welcome everyone to come and, and visit and have a dram and play with some cool watches. And, and it's, it's really exciting to be able to grow and, and share our knowledge and our passion, uh, you know, with our store teams as we continue to expand we're, we're really just getting started. So, um, yeah, that's it. That's sort of like the coolest part about this whole thing is, is, is getting it bigger, doing it sustainably, but um, getting our product out there, getting our, our brand identity out there and, and doing vintage and pre-owned in a different way than it's been done before. No, that's, I mean, that's absolutely great. And I think, like I said, one of the nice things for, for folks like us, that you just opened the location here in Cincinnati. Like we can actually go to one of those points of sale now, um, which is always largely been one of our complaints here in the Midwest is like, yeah, it's either Chicago or that's really it in the Midwest for a lot of places. But um, it, for, for me, at least being able to go and try something off yeah. is, it's huge. And that's, it's, it, it, it's one of those weird things, like not really weird. Like I'm spending a good amount of money on any type of watch. I need to know I'm yeah. going to like it. Like I need to know it's going to fit my wrist the right way. It's going to, it's going gonna, it's gonna, to, it's going to bring out those goosebumps. Like you said, when I put it on and being able to go and see something in person is a huge part of that for a lot of us. So I think that's, that's absolutely. absolutely. Fantastic. Well, you know, and also there's, there's so much um, credibility that comes with watches of Switzerland. I mean, this is yes. a nearly 100 year old publicly traded retailer that by the numbers is the largest watch and jewelry retailer in the world. It's the oldest Rolex dealer in the world. And so uh, for those of us who might not be on the forums or, or listening to watch podcasts all the time and shopping for watches and looking at watches and dreaming about watches and talking to watch friends and looking at watch memes and, you know, doing all those <laughs> things, there's also a level of trust that really comes inherent with that as well. And you're not just buying it from some guy on the internet uh, or from some shop on the corner that may or may not be there next year. 
buying it from one of the trusted names in the world. Um, and we get to, we get that stamp of approval by putting our product in, in their stores and in our stores and, and, and growing that, you know, bigger and better every time. And, you know, the Cincinnati team is, is a great example. There's some, some amazing knowledge. There are some really fun people They're They're great. You know, and we, we just got started with them, but I'm very confident that in the next year, they're going to be a very strong, uh, player for us because you guys got some fun stuff in, in Cincinnati and, Aside from that whole chili thing, <laughs> I hope um, you tried. Some I really there, like it. There. Did you try some while you were there, James? <laughs> I, you know, I'll tell you what. I I did not try any. Uh, however, 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 I it was only because I realized I wasn't going to get to both sides because uh, I couldn't find anywhere to have the competing oh, gold, you can star find gold star and, uh, and skyline. Yeah. Yeah, I don't have to yep. try gold star. It's fine. Just, just do the correct. Shut well, up, exactly. Shut That's what I'm talking about. <laughs> so I, so I started talking. I talked to everybody about this. I'm talking about the person uh, serving my, my food at breakfast to the the hotel concierge to the entire staff of the Kenwood Watches Switzerland store, and everybody was Skyline, right? Everybody. So I'm like, I if I'm gonna do this, I'm I'm gonna come back. I want to make sure I do both because I'm not a one-sided kind of guy. I need to know. So get that done, you know, come and have those. Um, it, it seems like you're not adverse to it. What I always tell people who are adverse to it, and I'm, I'm not a Cincinnati native like Spangler, I'm a transplant. But what I will say is if you're nervous about having that type of chili on spaghetti, start with a cheese coney because everybody likes yes. it. Like that's the coney's easiest, great. that's the easiest sauce. Like it is almost the perfect chili for a Coney dog. Like, like, like we'll start there because everyone's like a hot dog, chili and cheese. But the other thing I will say is, so try gold star, try it skyline. You know, obviously you'll, you'll make the right choice there at some point. Um, but on your next trip back, what you really need to do is you need to go to some of the local chili parlors yeah. because, and, and they're called chili parlors and every neighborhood kind of has one. And the one that I, I don't live by anymore, but, um, one of the one of the more famous ones um, is Pleasant Ridge Chili, kind of by my house. Okay. Cash only. They're open. They're not open on Sundays, but they're open until four a.m. on Saturday. And um, some of the best gravy <laughs> cheese fries you will ever have. The chili is fantastic. Um, it has one of those weird like it has a bar countertop, but it's like a normal table size, so like it's not high. It's 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 goofy, um, and it's a huge uh, Spangler. I know is a UC guy, uh, but. UC and Xavier, the two big schools here. And it's a, it's a huge after hours hangout after bar close. Cause again, they're open till 4am, um, two hours after bar close, uh, for, for folks from, from Xavier. And uh, a couple of our friends, their father-in-law, like a far, far removed relative went to Xavier in like the seventies, maybe even the late sixties and was like, Oh, you live in Pleasant Ridge. Have you been to PRC yet? And like, he knew from the sixties and seventies about PRC because it's been there that long and it's still there. So I think yes, try that. Try the two big name brands, but I, I think you got to give some of the local places some try, a try too. Because I, I know I know Price Hill Chili is great, Dixie Chili I think might have been the original. Like I, I'm going to trigger some people who were Cincinnati natives again in our Red Bar group chat um, with the chili references because I don't know my history, and they do. Um, so <laughs> I'm pretty sure. Well, it's a very passionate community, very passionate community. I, I, I spoke to everyone about this. I did spend, it was cold. I was, was it January that I was there? February? I don't know. It was February. And so it was cold, but I got a good walk in, found a couple, um, c- 
couple brew pubs and ate very well. Had an amazing um, breakfast. Uh, I'll I'll be back. I, I totally <laughs> dug Cincinnati. It's it's a good time. Awesome. <laughs> we'll have to we'll have to have a beer or a whiskey or multiple uh, next time you're in town. That's uh, right. It's so, a deal. It's and a and you deal. know something? Well, we didn't get to touch on this a little bit, but I know we're we're running we're running decently long here. Uh, I know you have an affiliation with Red Bar. Maybe maybe we work in a Red mm-hmm. Bar meetup uh, next time you're in town, and you can come meet some of the local guys. Just like old times, baby. I love that. Uh, yeah, I, I've been involved with Red Bar since early days um, when Red Bar meetings weren't much bigger than what we have going on here. Just a, a couple idiots drinking watches and, and uh, drinking drinking watches. Right? That's what we did. <laughs> Just got to drink it all in. <laughs> drink it all in. Drinking, drinking watches, talking whiskey. Yeah, yeah. Uh, no, it's... Um, it's a great community. I'm, I'm thrilled to have, have played a small role in, in, in the development of that. Of course, most of it goes, most credit goes to, uh, Kathleen McGivney, who, uh, without whom this never would have happened. And, and then Adam Craniotis, of course, and, and Dr. Jeff for, uh, for having a crazy idea of taking the, the conversation offline and actually meeting another person in New York city, uh, <laughs> where, where you could be, you know, <clears throat> clubbed to death and, and, and robbed, um, at, who just said, you know what, let's, let's meet up somewhere and have a drink and, and talk about these watches that we're, we're yammering on about on, on watch you seek or, or wherever. And, and then, and then becoming a global phenomenon. No, it, and then, and I think that's, that's the best part of all this for me, guys. It's, it's the community. It's the people. I mean, the fact that uh, we all care so much about these silly things, um, and I think do right, do right by each other and try to put a little good back out there in the world. I mean, it's touching and, and it, it's meaningful to me that sure. The, the watches might be the, might be the object, might be the, the MacGuffin, but like, it's really, it's really about the people. And, um, I'm proud to, I'm proud to, you know, be a watch nut today. It's, it's not only a dynamic marketplace with plenty to talk about. Um, you know, you could even, I don't know, do a podcast about this or something. Several of us have tried. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Keep, keep, keep trying. Keep keep trying. Uh, uh, but truly, um, that people come together and and have chapters and, and yeah, I mean, in the before times, you know, before pandemic, um, every trip I took every trip business or otherwise, I would, uh, I would, you know, put the call out there and I ended up meeting up with watch people all across the country in Europe, in the Middle East, you know, and, and just putting something up on Instagram being like, yo, I'm going to be in Portland, Oregon today, or I'm going to be in Austin tomorrow or wherever it was, Savannah, Georgia. Um, and just getting, you know, few people, five people, 10 people, 15 people, come out and be like, Oh yeah, that guy's in town. Let's, let's go drink some beers and, you know, play with watches. It's great. It's great. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's good on you for, for keeping that, keeping that going. <laughs> well, it's, it's the fun part. Like, and we've talked about that. We talked about this before we started recording, like our best episodes, our best episodes by far are ones with 
a guest that isn't regular, like, not, not, not like not regularly on, but like, it's the ones with the guest. It's, it's the stories. It's the things that draw us together. And yes, it's these tiny little mechanical machines that keep track of time that we don't understand on, on our wrists, but it, it's, it's the shared interest that, that draws us to people who have other shared interests with cool stories, like Jurassic park action figures. Holy cow. Like that was, <laughs> that, I did, was not expecting that, uh-huh. but that was one of the best turns right. this podcast might have ever taken is that there's a new movie coming out. I've forgot about this. We, we've been talking about the fact that Laura, like the internet's been blowing up that Laura Dern. We're actually sponsored. We're, we're <laughs> actually sponsored by universal studios. No way. <laughs> not, 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 not the man, the man groomer. <laughs> but i mean like like the internet's blowing up about laura dern being 23 when she i mean no offense to laura dern she was like the the adult in the room in that movie at 23 holy cow uh, but like just just all of that thing and that's what that's what we started on it was the action figures and the bent tail on the t-rex like right come on there it is that doesn't happen that doesn't happen <laughs> without the community, without getting to know like other like-minded people. So it, it, it good on you for, for being a part at the ground floor and, and, and doing everything you're doing. And, and it's the best part about this is like, we can tell how passionate you are about this. Like you, you talked about a Ploprof, Alana and Doxa all with equal like verve, like just it, it, you can just tell like it's, it's, it's a huge deal. Like this is, this is, this is your thing, man. It's great. <laughs> well, it's uh, it, thank you so much for saying that. And um, yeah, somehow this this has become my life, and I don't regret any of it. So, you know, I don't. I may not know which came first, the Triassic or the Jurassic or, or whatever, <laughs> but I do. But I do know that in the last twenty years of uh, being a collector, um, the marketplace and the community continues to come together and continues to do amazing shit. And there's some I mean, the watches today. They just keep getting better. And whether it's the the, tr- the tried and true classics and the development, the sort of continual reimagining of the icons, or whether it's the ultra avant garde or, or the micro brands. These guys, great guys uh, and women in in their homes, you know, either finding these things and curating them or designing new things. I mean, it's awesome. There's so much to talk about. It's, it's never it's, been a better time. It's really exciting. It's never For been sure. a better That's time right. to be a collector or into this hobby. That's right. Yeah, That's exactly it. And uh, I thank you guys so much for, uh, for having me on. Um, you're all a bunch of crazy people. I love you. And, uh, <laughs> it's, this has been, this has been an absolute blast. Um, this is, this is probably going up in a matter of hours because we run a very, very, we're procrastinators. Let's be honest. Um, <laughs> so, uh, James, sure. it, it's been absolute, it's been an absolute blast having you on. Thank you. Thank you so much for, uh, for taking some time out of, uh, out of a Monday to, uh, to speak with us about, about watches and about, about work. I mean, this, this is, I don't want to say this is, my guess is it's not as, as much work as, as, as some work is for other people's work, but like, this is technically right. work for you. I appreciate you coming and <laughs> spending almost an hour, 20 minutes talking work off hours. That's, that's, that's huge for us. And it just, again, it, it kind of speaks to, th- this is what you do. And, and we can just tell, like, I, like, I can tell when we're having a good episode, like we're, we're all leaning forward on screen. Nobody else is going to see us. We're all leaning forward. We're all really into the conversation. And that is like, you're in, you're in there with us. We're, we're in there, we're doing it. And it's been, it's been an absolute pleasure having you on. And next time you're out this way, um, let us know. It'd be great to, to have a beer or another beverage in person. 
Count on it. Absolutely. Thank you so much, guys. It's been great. Absolutely. Oh, look, a dinosaur. (laughs) (laughs) Had to end that way. (laughs) Until next time, everybody. I hope you enjoyed it. We'll, uh, We'll catch you later. See ya.